everyone. I am Chris Hyam, CEO of Indeed. My pronouns are he and him, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. For accessibility, I'll offer a quick visual description. I'm a middle-aged man with dark-rimmed glasses. I'm wearing a gray t-shirt and a black pullover, and behind me is the North Austin skyline. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us going all day. And what powers that mission is people. Here to Help is a look at how experience, strength, and hope inspires people to want to help others. At Indeed, we believe that talent is universal, but opportunity is not. And in 2021, we launched a new program called Rising Voices in partnership with Emmy Award-winning writer, producer, and actor Lena Waithe. Rising Voices started with a very simple idea. Instead of spending a million dollars on a big TV ad, what if instead we invested a million dollars for 10 underrepresented filmmakers to produce their own short films about the meaning of work? Next month, we are very proud to be launching season three of Rising Voices at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City. And today I'm very excited to introduce you all to one of the Rising Voices from our very first season. Johnson Cheng is a writer and director from the San Gabriel Valley of Los Angeles. His films have screened in competition at international festivals such as Tribeca, AFI Fest, and Toronto. Johnson is a recipient of the HBO APA Visionaries Award, the Princess Grace Award, and fellowships such as Film Independence Project Involve. I got to know Johnson as he was chosen for the very first class of Indeed's Rising Voices. His extraordinary short, Only the Moon Stands Still, is an incredibly moving film about the complexities of intergenerational families and work. It's a story of three generations of Chinese women confronting the realities of having to shut down their family's ballroom dance studio and bid farewell to a life that has defined them for so long. I'm also excited to share that as a direct result of his participation in Rising Voices, Johnson was invited to direct an episode of the first season of American Born Chinese on Disney Plus, which will debut on May 24th. This conversation was a perfect representation of the Johnson I have gotten to know over the past couple of years. He's extremely humble and deeply devoted to his community in the San Gabriel Valley. He has a clear understanding of the significant opportunities he has earned and is intentional about he, how he can put those opportunities to the greatest use for others. What you can't tell from this discussion is just how brilliant and talented he is. So for that, I'll just say I hope you all take the opportunity to watch Only the Moon Stands Still at Indeed.com slash Rising Voices and then check out American Born Chinese on Disney Plus on May 24th. Johnson, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Chris. Uh, such a kind and um, wonderful introduction. <laughs> well, let's start where we always start these conversations by asking, how are you doing right now? Yeah, it's uh, really nice to ask. Um, I'm doing well. I think this has been a really um, busy week. Um, you know, I think the show is coming out soon. So we've been uh, promoting a little bit and we have the premiere, um, but grateful to be busy and uh, excited for the show to come out. Fantastic. So we're going to dive in and talk about American Born Chinese, but let's start by talking a bit about Rising Voices. For the folks who haven't heard about it, can you tell us how you first got to be involved in the program and what it meant to you? 
Yeah, I think Rising Voices was, you know, I think for for me, it kicked off so many things in my life. Um, it was an opportunity to make a short film that I had been wanting to make for such a long time. Um, and uh, from that short film, I got to, and I ended up getting to direct a couple episodes of television. So, you know, I got my first opportunities directing professionally from there. Looking back now, it's been like two, two, three years. And, um, you know, all of us still keep in touch. So I also got like a really good, community and family of filmmakers that, um, you know, we still support each other to this day. Destin Daniel Cretton, um, who is lead director on the show, was your mentor for Rising Voices. Can you talk about your relationship with Destin and how it developed during Rising Voices? Yeah, um, it's really amazing, I think, you know, and he's been doing uh, Rising Voices uh, for the following seasons, too, um, while he's in the middle of... Um, preparing like two big Marvel movies, um, one of the Avengers movies, I think he just has infinite time to help people. And um, it really inspires me to, you know, want to do that in the future as well. At first, you know, I had just wanted to shadow, like I had asked him, I was like, you know, I'd really love to um, shadow you on American Born Chinese. Like I read about it and I think it's really cool. Um, and he kind of, you know, one-upped it a little bit and he's like, well, why, why not direct an episode? Um, and at that point I'd only done short films and to do a season one show of a show like this is really, um, it's really a big leap. And I think it took someone like him to, um, you know, trust that I would be able to do it to kind of give me that opportunity. When I got to set, I was really intimidated by just like the number of people, like, you know, definitely like there's like five times the amount of people on set, um, all of this equipment everywhere. And I was just like, I don't even know what to use a crane for. Um, and he would just give me advice. Like he would say like, you know, just focus on what's in this little rectangle in front of you. Um, and I ended up getting to shadow him for the first episode too, just to kind of see um, how he just operated on set. Like, you know, um, and it was just really cool to see like someone like him who just has such a like, mellow and kind personality, um, still driving a set and being a leader in that way. That's amazing. Well, uh, the, the show itself, uh, I'm among many other people, super excited to see when it launches on May 24th. Uh, it's got a lot going for it. it. It starts the incredible Michelle Yeoh, who's coming off of the success of Everything Everywhere All at Once. And um, it seems like there's been a lot of momentum and and maybe it's premature to declare success in representation uh, for Asian Americans in, in film. There clearly has been a lot of new opportunity. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts on why some of these more interesting and complex Asian American stories are finally now getting uh, the funding they deserve and and the awareness and success that they deserve. Yeah, I think the proof is in the audience. You know, I think we've been hungry for these kinds of stories for so long. And um, little by little, as we get another um, opportunity and another project, um, you know, the studios and um, everybody sees like people want to see these stories and um, they want to um, they want more complex and more, um, you know, sophisticated stories. And um, I'm very I feel like I'm very lucky to kind of um, be at this point where I think all of these opportunities are coming at the point that my skill sets kind of developed right at this uh, really special point. Because uh, I think any other time, those two things wouldn't have uh, matched up. And then, you know, you sprinkle a little bit of um, uh, 
like people like Destin and having them give me that opportunity. Uh, it just all feels it in a really exciting way. Well, it, it, it's really um, incredibly uh, gratifying for us to see Rising Voices uh, fulfill, you know, the sort of submission. So the, the first mission was to to really just tell a bunch of stories that help people connect in different ways to the to the meaning of work. But also it was about, and this is what uh, Lena Waith and Rishi Rajani of Hellman Grad brought to it, is really creating sustainable opportunities for the participants and not just here's some money, go make a film, but giving you the mentorship and the support and the budget necessary that you could produce something that actually would lead to more work. And so You've had this opportunity with American-born Chinese. You also have had the opportunity to work for Lena and Rishi again and direct an episode of The Shy, which, as you pointed out when we were speaking last week, has seen other Rising Voices filmmakers a part of. Can you talk a little bit about the experience of working on The Shy and what that was like? People like Lena, people like Rishi, um, they, give us the, they give us these opportunities, and um, they're opportunities that it takes such a long time to get otherwise you know i think it can take like um decades and uh, you know you have to do a couple features before you get to do tv um and people like lena and rishi they just tell us like you know we're going to give you these chances and um you know i think we trust that they trust that we'll excel in the way um it's just really special too i think shows like the shy because um we're surrounded by people who we kind of came up with uh, like um, Quincy DeAndre, they were the producing directors um, this season. So they had done an episode last season and then they got brought back this season to kind of um, be our leaders and to guide us. And, you know, they were in our Rising Voices um, class. And I still remember um, the first time seeing them in person at the premiere of Rising Voices and just all of us giving each other a big hug because that was during the pandemic and we hadn't seen each other in person. It was just all on Zoom. And then to just be sitting in those director's chairs like a couple years later and just being like, wow, like, you know, here we are. Um, we've come a long way in short time already. Uh, and then Boma, um, Stacy, um, you know, I think there's just a really great family of people on that show. And um, because we had all gone through this and kind of grew up and came up together, we support each other and help each other out. If you like this interview and want to hear more, hit subscribe. Catch up on any Here to Help episodes you might have missed, like my conversation with Dr. Safia Noble, and get new ones delivered directly to you. More with Johnson Cheng after this break. One of the other sort of foundational ideas behind Rising Voices, and certainly from our perspective, the world of work is um, is is large and complex, and it's as it's as big as as humanity as a whole. Um, but a lot of the way that ideas and stories are presented tends to be through a similar lens. And um, one of the things that Lena said that really stuck with me was um, that it's it's really important to sort of see the world through everyone's eyes. And so can you talk a little bit about how how you think about that in terms of of um, the opportunity to tell stories that are meaningful to you personally? Yeah, I think, you know, telling stories like the ones that I, like, especially in my short films, um, you know, I think those are there's an, this element of proximity for those. Like I made all of those in places that I kind of was so familiar with growing up. 
Um, and I just wanted people to see what it was like to experience, you know, I, I think these places that maybe they normally would never um, look at or to kind of go into. Um, and I think for shows like American Born Chinese and The Shy that are so culturally specific, um, they let people into like our, these rooms, like kind of like let them in and um, let them see like how it is to walk in our shoes. And I think that's really special. Um, it's a it's a really special thing for us to be making those things too, because we can bring um, like a specificity to them and to kind of, um, you know, make it so that uh, we're not just kind of like collecting shots, like we're kind of letting people see how our life is, um, letting people just like feel a little bit of um, how it is to, you know, be like in a restaurant that we shoot in or to kind of um, be celebrating like a certain cultural tradition or ritual. And I think that's a really unique and special opportunity. So one of the themes of of Here to Help is is really about how individual experiences shape what people bring to to their lives and, and their work. And you grew up in the uh, San Gabriel Valley and grew up loving movies. Can you talk about how that place uh, impacted your your view of the world? Yeah, and you know the San Gabriel Valley is a really um, interesting place. Um, I grew up uh, just around several different languages. And um, I think all of us were always trying to figure out um, why we didn't see that represented on the screen in in so many ways. It's kind of the place that I decided to just make my films and to be a filmmaker um, because it's a place that kind of nourished me for such a long time. So uh, when you had this opportunity to then direct an episode of American Born Chinese, uh, somehow you convinced the team there to let you uh, film some of that in in the same area as well. How how did you go about doing that, and and what did that mean for the community? I mean, it's one thing for you to do a short, small film there. It's another thing for a big production like that to to come into the valley. Yeah, that's a that was a really interesting thing. I had read the script, and um, I remember there was a scene that originally took place on set in the house um, for the family, and um, they were basically having a dinner, and then there's a karaoke scene that's happening while there's a fight scene outside. And um, I just thought, well, I think if a family was taking someone out to have dinner or something, um, they would do it at like, you know, one of these big Chinese banquet restaurants in the San Gabriel Valley. And, um, you know, we had this had discussions about like where we would root this show. And I think, you know, in the end, I was like, well, if this is rooted in a place, um, I think they settled on Altadena, which is, you know, it's in the San Gabriel Valley. I was like, it kind of makes sense that they would drive a little bit south to go to one of these restaurants. We ended up shooting in a restaurant and uh, it's a restaurant that I'd gone to before as a kid. And, um, you know, there's all these like, parts of the restaurant that I'd just been so familiar with. I was like, okay, well, um, there's gotta be like a part of the story where they go through like this like underground thing in the restaurant and they go through this like back alley. And I was like, well, I know exactly what that would be. And it's very specific and unique to that space. Um, so it was really cool. And, and, you know, I think again, it's like people like Destin and the showrunner Kelvin to just be like, yeah, that makes sense. Let's shoot it there. Um, and uh, I think because I ended up shooting in that restaurant, um, later episode, Destin had to come and shoot his episode there. And I was like, well, the decision to shoot here ended up causing this uh, big Marvel director to come and shoot in the San Gabriel Valley, which is really special. Um, and, um, you know, because we're shooting there, we get to cast locally too. Um, we're also catering locally. 
And um, this is a big Disney show. You know, it's not like like even though with the short films, like we're bringing a lot of jobs and stuff and opportunities to the area. I think doing it on like a large scale for a show like this um, is really special. And I think once the show comes out and people see it, they're hopefully going to be like, oh, I wonder what that restaurant looks like in person. And they'll start to go and bring more business there, too. For anyone that hasn't had a chance to see only the moon stands still. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. You can find it out at uh, you can find it at indeed.com slash rising voices. Uh, go to season one there. But um, I'd love to hear in this context of bringing sort of the unique lens of your experience, what is different um, or what are some of the differences you think uh, in the Chinese American experience of work in America? Yeah, I think. You know, specifically now, um, especially in the San Gabriel Valley, um, work is work is so unique. You know, um, like a lot of these places, uh, like when I was shooting the short films here, um, work and life are so closely tied together. Uh, like the ballroom that I shot at, there was like a little area where they would go to sleep and um, the restaurants, too. There's like a little um, place nearby that everybody would go sleep after. And I remember a lot of the like most precious memories I had when I was young was um, just sleeping wherever my parents worked, uh, just because they would be working there for so long that um, I would find places to sleep. Like, you know, whether it was like they were at a barbecue restaurant, I would just take one of the stalls, like one of the little um, uh, booths and just sleep there. Or later when they worked uh, in an office and they, you know, started selling um, like computer hardware, like I would find like an empty office and sleep there. I think um, here you can work and um, I think just kind of get by with just speaking Mandarin or, you know, speaking Cantonese. Um, that was my parents' experience. Like, you know, they never had to get completely fluent in English in, in a lot of ways. I think, you know, I think even even though they were able to find ways to work that way, um, it was one of those really special things where uh, here you can kind of still maintain like, you know, uh, a life just like speaking your native tongue and find work that way. This podcast originally started in uh, April of 2020, very early on in the pandemic. And one of the things that was going on and actually in, in some of the first episodes, we were talking about um, the uh, incredible sort of rise of uh, anti-Asian, Asian-American xenophobia in the U.S., around specifically around the this sort of um untruthful narratives around covid and uh one of the things that i think is interesting is sort of the power that storytelling has to to counter those narratives and I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on how how you think about um storytelling and its uh its ability to sort of reverse maybe some of the perceptions that people have about people and communities that they they know nothing about yeah i think the hope is that you know when people see um or, or just like hear about hear stories and like you know watch shows and movies and stuff that we're making that are coming from a very specific and um honest and like earnest place that they'll be able to see the characters and just see them as like these three-dimensional um, people with uh, hopes and dreams and fears and um, you know hopefully that'll smash any kind of stereotype that they have I think I, I don't know how anybody can you know watch something that you know we're making that's um, specifically 
telling the stories of these people and um and and not see them as like whole people and i think that's the that's the dream to be able to do that um and uh part of the reason i wanted to make stuff here i think me making stuff in this place that i grew up in the san gabriel valley uh, is inevitably going to be me making like asian american stories um just because that's kind of the um, experience of this area and um i think by doing by doing it in a way that uh, is very honest to the places that I'm shooting at. And, you know, we're involving local people from the community and telling these like very complicated and nuanced stories about these characters. Um, hopefully it's just, yeah, people will see them and, um, and then want to go there in person to see for themselves what it was like. Before uh, we wrap up, um, I would love to hear, and I'm sure other people would like to know, uh, what else are you working on? What's, uh, what's ahead for... Johnson. Um, yeah, I think now, you know, I've done short films and done TV. I, um, the next thing to do is uh, feature films. Um, I've had a couple of features I've been uh, slowly working on throughout the years. And, um, you know, I think at this point, uh, I've found a couple that I'm really excited about. Um, there's one specifically that's uh, like an action. It's a bit of an action uh, family drama. And um, having worked on American-born Chinese, now I can comfortably say that I can do um, stuff like that and uh, know how to handle something that, um, you know, I think it's both exciting and, you know, then you have a bit of the family um, aspect of it as well, um, where you have these characters that are complex, but they're also um, doing these uh, crazy, fun martial arts things that are going to be really exciting for people to see. Um, but yeah, I think mostly that and um, continuing to um, make films here in the San Gabriel Valley. I think um, I'll keep doing that as long as I can. Johnson, thank you so much for joining today and sharing your uh, your experience and your inspiration. And uh, I'm super excited for the launch of uh, American Born Chinese. Can you tell us which episode is your episode? Yeah, episode five. Um, it's a really fun one. I'm I'm super proud of it. And um, you'll see, for people who watch the um, Rising Voices short film, you'll see a lot of connections between that and the episode. Um, even the even down to the song. Um, there's a big karaoke song that um, uh, is sung by the same um, singer, and that sings my uh, Rising Voices short film song. Um, and it's just one of those things that I kept trying to put as much as I could into into the film. Um, that also was an episode that we uh, shot at a restaurant that was just a couple minutes away from the ballroom. So it's all connected. Um, and I hope you all enjoy it. Amazing. Well, season one, episode five of American Board Chinese. Uh, mark your calendars for May 24th. Johnson Chang, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you for everything you do. Thank you so much for having me. Here to Help is a production of Indeed. Today's episode was produced by Aidan McLaughlin, Ivan Fallon, and David Hardstein, Shelby Haddon, and the Blue Suitcase Productions team in Austin, Texas, with technical support from Edward Blisniak and Jacob Bennett. Our theme music was composed by Noah Galambos and Noah Nelson. Thanks for listening to Here to Help. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and download the podcast to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Until next time.